I'm Sean Haney, and this is Real Ag on the Weekend. Let's get real and get connected with the week that was in Canadian agriculture. Real Ag on the Weekend starts now. Welcome to Real Ag on the Weekend here on 650 CKOM and 980 CGME. I'm your host. I'm back. Sean Haney of Real Agriculture. Big shout out to Lindsay Smith for filling in for the past two weeks while I was out and about. Well, I was more than out and about. I was over in Germany. I was at Agritechnica. And of course, you can grab and find all of our great Agritechnica coverage by going to realagriculture.com. And if you have any trouble finding it, we've, we did 70 videos. 70 in basically three and a half days at the show. And we didn't even cover the whole sh- whole show. Everything from the new New Holland CR11 combine to autonomous robots, spraying drones, mechanical weed removal, all of that and beyond. It's It was really a fantastic show. We'll be rolling out the videos for really over the next three to four months, about four to five videos in a given week. We got new ones up this week, so please check it out. Really, really cool stuff. That show just brings the innovation on a global scale. And that, that coverage at realagriculture.com of Agritechnica is brought to you by Optimum Gly, a new canola trait technology from Corteva AgriScience. Well, today on uh, the program, I am looking forward to discussing a number of different things with you. We're going to hear from Caitlin McMurphy. She's with Sask Ag, and she's going to talk to Lindsay Smith about extensive winter feeding of cattle. We're also going to do uh, a paid product spotlight with Farmer's Edge to get an update on uh, what they are up to. I'm also going to play some audio for you today from uh, Real Ag Radio earlier this week when I spoke at the AgX conference. Now, that's Farm Management Canada's conference and it was, uh, it was it was a lot of fun. I got some really good feedback on uh, the the kind of twelve ish minute monologue that I that I gave a part of my my presentation, discussing some of the data that we have seen at Real Agri Studies as it relates to learning and development. So we'll talk about that. And I'm looking forward to playing that audio for you. Get your feedback as well there in Saskatchewan. If you have any feedback at all, the easy way to get a hold of me is send me an email, shaney at realagriculture.com. Of course, you can also find us across all the different social media platforms, or you can call the Real Ag Feedback Line. The number is 855-776-6147. There definitely were some trends and things that we saw at Agritechnica this year that were a little bit different and a bit of a, a shift I call it a reality check, okay? And and what we really saw this year was a pullback in some of the grand aspirations of tractors of the future are going to be electric-powered. Now, they may be, but what we saw showcased there was here's our tractor of the future, but it's powered by diesel. And it may be an autonomous robot, and it it may have the latest and greatest and the future is in artificial intelligence, but it's diesel powered, but it does have electric drive. So like it's diesel to electric, but definitely there was this sort of like real, real reality check when it came to electrification. And I, I actually found that a little bit refreshing, to be honest, because in 2019, when we went, everything was going to be electric. How? Well, we don't know, but it's going to happen. And uh, we definitely saw this year a bit of a reality check. And, and, the, and the other 
other factor is trying to sort out how we're going to take care of weed control in the future, whether that's through you know spot spraying, drones, mechanical weed removal, things like that. They're, they're, and so just watch that agrotechnica coverage and uh, continue to send me what you think, uh, you, your perceptions, what you think about some of the innovations that we do showcase. Okay, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to hear my monologue from the Ag Excellence Conference earlier this week. You're listening to 650 CKOM and 980 CGME. You know, there's a reason we call it the Corn School. Videos on everything from planter setup, weed control, field trial results, yield strategies, and so much more. The Corn School on realagriculture.com has the information and advice you need to help you succeed. Brought to you by Pride Seeds and BASF, Corn School episodes are available at cornschool.com, from realagriculture.com, or as a podcast from your favorite streaming service. Download the latest podcast today. If you're involved in the agriculture industry, it's important to stay informed on all the latest issues affecting your business. At realagriculture.com, we offer fast, reliable news, information, and insights to help you keep on top of all of the latest in Canadian agriculture. Visit realagriculture.com and sign up for our free daily newsletter covering everything from news, agronomy, animal agriculture, and much more. Visit realagriculture.com forward slash subscribe today. Welcome back to Real Ag on the weekend. What I want to play for you right now is from Wednesday, I spoke at the AgX conference. That's Farm Management Canada's annual conference. And we did a live, live taping of Real Ag Radio. And in that, I presented some data that we've been finding from Real Agri Studies, which is the market research arm of Real Agriculture, and talked about learning and development. Here's that audio. So as I promised, we're going to get into some of the Canadian Farmer Sentiment Index data that we have been doing with our market research arm, Real Agri-Studies. And uh, now for the radio audience, you can't, you can't see these uh, slides that I'm showing everybody, but you can definitely go to realagristudies.com and uh, find some of our latest contributions in this area. And I'll try to describe it the best that I can. So what we're doing here is we're measuring, in some ways, a mirror to the CME Purdue Ag Barometer, trying to track the sentiment of Canadian farmers on a number of different topics. And we don't have time here in this 12-minute segment to, to dive into all of this. Do encourage you, like I said, to go to realagristudies.com. Um, the, the line that goes across the middle is neutral. That's 100. So if somebody, if on any of these questions it, it ends up being 100, that means that Canadian farmers are neutral in their sentiment. What you can see is there's a lot of these bars that are actually below the neutral line. Overall, I would say when it comes to the egg economy, uh, their, their outlook, even going five years, their current farm financial performance, their future farm financial performance, there's a lot of negativity in the air. There's also some interesting data, and we talked about this on Real Ag Radio a couple months ago, back in more of the summer, Canadian farmers have a more negative outlook on their current and future farm financial performance than their U.S. counterparts. And we're not entirely sure why. And we'd really like to, uh, to dive into that more. What's happening here, the, on the very left, we're, track, we're asking people about their current farm financial performance. You can see, 
at the, the, the trend line is going down. In January, we're kind of, I felt we were in a pretty good spot. People are feeling very good about the year across the board. This is across the country. The main part of the sample is Ontario and the prairies. We're a little light in the Maritimes, Quebec, and in BC. So this is where the, the majority of the data is coming from, is those four provinces. Um, what's interesting is we've seen current farm financial performance slide. We've seen the second group of bars, the future farm financial performance, kind of go sideways and start to work its way up a little bit. So we see we've had this gap between current farm financial performance and the future. People always feeling more negatively about the future than the current situation. And that is that we're actually converging on, they're actually converging on each other now, which is, which is really, I, I think, kind of interesting. The other thing I'll point out before I show you some of the learning and development stuff is, I don't have a pointer on this thing. Um, it would be second from the right. You know that bar that's kind of bouncing all over the place like a trampoline teeter-totter? That is farmers' outlook on the, on, on the market. Do you think now is a good time to buy, or do you think now is a good time to sell? And you can see that we have gone all over the place. Okay, this speaks, I think, to some of the, the challenges that farmers are going through, trying to figure out whether they're raising uh, livestock or crops, trying to sort out how do I actually market through this environment. And with that crazy amount of volatility and outlook that farmers have had over the past 14, or, uh, 14 months, the last set of bars is their state of mental health. Okay, so as we have seen current farm financial performance decline, as we have seen the markets bounce all over the place, state of mental health has really remained constant, which I think is a uber, uber uh, positive aspect of this chart. And when we're done the show here today, what we'll try to do is uh, have a bit of a Q&A and we can talk more about this if you want to. Uh, learning and development. So we asked farmers, uh, I think it was back in June, and we asked farmers about learning and development. We, we asked them, have you participated in any learnings and, and development activities in the last 12 months? So uh, workshops, webinars, seminars, conferences. 68% said yes. Okay? That's, I think that's, that's, that's good. I don't know what I expected the number to be, but that sounds fine to, to me. Uh, you know, today's event would be included in that. Here's what's interesting. On the right-hand side, we asked them to tell us what kind of topics of learning and development did you attend or did you participate in? What stands out to me, per, <laughs> like I talked about in the opening of the show, if it's about production and agronomy, I'm all in. Right? If it's about how to take care of my animals, I'm all in. If it's about strategy planning, accounting, no thank you. Here's the one that is really, I think, a concern. Now, some of the farmers, when we put out the results of this, I got a lot of pushback. Okay, on, on this opinion, way, way too small amount of people looking at human resources. And what people said to me was, yeah, but there's no opportunities. Yeah, there's no human resource opportunities out there. I call BS. Now, you can go to a conference and there may not be how to properly hire somebody. More importantly, sometimes when you should fire somebody. But there are resources galore out there in the world if you actually want to look for it. Okay? I think we're spending... Two, and here's the other part. Oh, I only work with my family. 
Well, you know what? That's the hardest kind of human resources. Right? That's the hardest. These people are difficult to deal with. They're always wrong. I'm always right. <laughs> right? What was the question this morning that felt very piercingly honest, which was the, uh, oh, not dealing with conflict and basically torturing the organization. It was like, yep, family business. Okay. Um, here's what else we found out. Confusing slide. Here's it simply. Rate the degree to which you feel you and your farm would benefit from additional skill development in the following areas. So if you said that you had, you had attended strategy planning, you were, very, you were highly likely to say that that's where you would benefit from more of. Okay? People, people focusing on building on their strengths. What we also saw is the larger the farm from an income standpoint, the more likely you are to participate in learning and development. Okay, you can see uh, it goes from under $100,000 in revenue all the way to five, uh, five million, and it basically creeps the trend lines pretty, pretty clear there. Uh, also, on the right-hand side, this is the kind of uh, learning and development activities you participated in by farm income. The largest farmers, they're attending production and agronomy and market or and marketing seminars. They're also highly much more likely, you can see in the black bar, to attend strategy planning and accounting. Okay? The, the larger the farm, the better the chance they're working on their farm business. So we got some work to do for some of the smaller farmers. So then we started playing around with some of the data, and what we found out here is that this is looking at who participated in what kind of learning and development activity and compared that to their sentiment, okay? So we thought we were gonna see a little bit more trends like people that participate in strategic planning would have, a di would have like maybe a better outlook, and that wasn't the case. What we figured out is that had you participated in any kind of learning and, learning and development activity, you were more likely to have a more positive, current farm financial outlook and also future farm financial outlook. People that are curious, people that are trying to learn no matter what kind of activity it was, were more positive in their outlook in the industry. Okay, what else can I show off here before I have to take a break? Uh, rate the degree to which you feel the, oh this is fun. So this is like the older generation saying, okay, if this younger generation, which has a whole bunch of flaws, if they want to actually run a good farm business in the future, here's what they need to be working on. What did the older, older generation say? You need to work on production agronomy and marketing. Okay? So the, old, the, the, the older generation isn't even really passing on, it, it, and listen, production agronomy and marketing are important. I have a lot of criticisms about our lack of competency when it comes to marketing. Okay, I think we have a lot of room for improvement there. So that, that's good learning, don't get me wrong. But it, this is a, a very big umbrella of skills that we have to have as a farm manager, and we're not really tackling it all. And of course, uh, human resources tied for last place in the definitely would, and succession planning, well, we all know where that ended up. Okay, so we asked farmers, uh, does your farm have a budget dedicated to learning and development activities? Now this was kind of a flyer on our part uh, with the idea that if you actually budgeted for it, 
I probably should have asked, do you have a budget, period, first. Uh, but we, went, we jumped to assume they did. Um, does your farm have a budgeted budget dedicated to learning and development? Because if you budget for it, you're probably more likely to track it and, like, and, and follow through on it was kind of Justin and I's idea. And we saw that only 19% uh, do. Again, not sure what to take from this, but only 19% of people having a budget for learning and development. We've also asked farmers in our Real Ag, or, um, Real Ag or Studies Insights panel, what stage is your farm at? Okay? Um, we put them into this, these five, starting, expanding, maintaining, scaling back, and exiting. Expanding, more likely to have a budget when it comes to learning and development activities. That kind of makes sense to me, right? If I'm exiting, I'm, why is it 13%? Maybe it's how to sell the farm. Uh, well, we were just picking on succession planning. Um, does your farm have a written transition succession plan? 37% saying yes. I can't remember where that is to the census number. That was 13. Okay. So our, our group is a little bit more chipper than what StatsCan came up with. Um, this is probably still too low. Although, when I talk to farmers about this, um, again, there's a lot of yeah buts. Right or wrong, maybe this is putting the question just way too simply. Elaine's up here later today. Maybe she can address that. Um, uh, Elaine Fraze. Uh, so, but that, that's what it came out of. And are you, are you working with external advisors? 64% uh, said yes. The number one advisor, I don't believe I have the slide. No. The number one advisor is accountants. Okay. Uh, number two, I believe... It was uh, succession plan experts, like Elaine, okay? Um, so that was the number two advisor. Um, barriers to succession planning, what farmers have, farmers have told us is tax implications, cost, and two, bad communication. So, you know, what came to me is that if, if accountants are going to be the number one advisor when it kind <laughs> of get laughs from the audience, accountants, communication, what is going on here? Um, you know, we, we need to pay attention also not to the numbers, but also the softer things as, as well. And on any of these, I've got, like, I think this whole succession planning, I've got, like, 200 slides to go with it. So if you're ever interested in, uh, just reach out to me. Uh, which of the following best describes where your farm is in the process of transition? 38% uh, we're in the middle of it. 25% <laughs> saying we're just getting started. Okay. And then on the right-handed side, and I think there's a lot of farms that are always in this. Like, I, I grew up on a farm where I think it took, like, 25 years for the older generation to actually get their crap together. Right? They were always working on it. That's the problem. It never ends. Um, what farmers said in terms of how long it's going to take for this transi transition plan to uh, actually happen from an ownership perspective, 27% uh, saying 4 to 6 years, 22% saying 10 to 15 so, once again, long process. Good. Everybody plug their ears. It's helping people on farm succession. Good for people that are sending bills. Your work is never going to be done. And, of course, you can hear the entire show from Wednesday by going to realagradio.com or downloading the Real Ag Radio podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we've got more coming up here on Real Ag on the weekend. Of course, we're on 650 CKOM and 980 CGME. Can 
Canola is more than just a pretty face in the prairie landscape. It's a big business, both here and around the world, that requires you to be informed and up-to-date on everything it takes to grow a successful crop. The Canola School on realagriculture.com has an expert library of video resources covering markets, agronomy, and more to help you grow a healthy and profitable canola crop. Visit canolaschool.com today. Brought to you by BASF Canada and Invigor Hybrid Canola. The next generation is the future of agriculture, but how do we launch from one role to leading? From succession planning and family dynamics to understanding finances and making the tough calls to discovering paths others have taken all through agriculture, the Successors Podcast covers it all. Tune in with me, your host, Kara Oosterhaus, simply by searching The Successors on your favorite podcast platform, or you can find it by visiting www.realagriculture.com. Whether you're seeding, harvesting, or anything in between, the Wheat School on realagriculture.com has you covered. Timely agronomic information from industry experts available online anytime. Give your wheat crop a good start and a great finish with the Wheat School on realagriculture.com. Brought to you by CNM Seeds, Syngenta Canada, and the Alberta Wheat and Barley Commission. is a paid product spotlight with Farmer's Edge. And joining me now is Vipor Aurora, the new CEO of Farmer's Edge. Welcome here. Thank you, Lindsay. Glad, glad to be here. All right. So now what can we expect from Farmer's Edge with you as the CEO and leader? You know, thank you. Uh, you know, Farmer's Edge across North America can uh, expect, a, expect a lot of positive changes here at Farmer's Edge. Uh, we continue to harness all aspects that have made Farmer's Edge technology great uh, while improving on some of the past opportunities that we've had. Uh, one of my first steps as the CEO was to actually initiate a turnaround plan to improve the financial health of the company and ensure future success. And as we've navigated through that transition period, an unwavering commitment remains focused on the customer, which is a grower. And therefore, every decision and innovation that we make is driven by the dedication to providing absolutely unparalleled customer experience. So that's kind of the big change that I would, uh, you know, expect our, our customers and our employees to see as we go through this journey. And what would you say is a key component of delivering on that positive experience for the customer? Yeah, you know, great question. Uh, and I think, in my opinion, it start, all starts uh, from within the organization. Uh, we've gone through some internal uh, transformation with a focus on culture and our employees. And uh, as a CEO, I define culture as a combination of values plus behaviors. And uh, we've in- implemented a new set of values within the company, which is focused on mutual trust, teamwork, and customer success at the center. And supporting those key points are ensuring that the teams absolutely makes decisions which are based on data, we take rapid action and ensure that prioritization and optimization of delivering results is at the forefront. And we're all working together as a team to ensure that we achieve our business goals. And uh, we, we, we look forward to enabling the whole ag ecosystem by providing the technology and fertility solutions to our growers, keeping those value systems uh, you know, in mind. So now, how does Farmer's Edge differentiate itself 
in delivering on a technology pr- platform. We know that farmers have been, in a lot of ways, slow to adopt some of this technology. Uh, how, where does Farmers Edge sort of go from here? Yeah, you, you know, we are not just uh, focused on building the technology. Uh, the, the big pivot that we are making is now we are actually focused on the end customer. We are talking to our growers and implementing their feedback directly into the roadmap of our technology. And uh, customer feedback has driven now the development of a, of a more intuitive and seamless experience. Uh, and we have a, a ton of significant upgrades which into our farm command platform you know, which include, and I'll name a few here, which include a redesigned, you know, dashboard, uh, field-first navigation, push notifications, map consolidation, and quick actionable insights at the click of a button. Because, uh, you know, we at Farmers Edge understand, and, and as a new person coming into agriculture, uh, I understand it absolutely clearly that if there is no financial benefit to the grower, it is hard for, for them to make a commitment. And, uh, you know, if there's no economic benefit, we are not able to kind of really help them use the technology services, which is basically the new thinking that we have at Farmers Edge, which is we want to create these solutions which are able to provide, you know, economic value to the growers, whether it's from an input standpoint, the cost of input standpoint, you know, or their yield. And that is what uh, essentially we are focused on. And how then will Farmers Edge allow farmers to maintain relationships with their network and improve the speed of doing business? Yeah, another great question. Uh, and I want to be very clear that uh, at Farmers Edge, we are not in the business of competing with ag retailers or, or independent agronomists. We want to be complementary. And, uh, you know, we absolutely understand that these relationships are important. And we are not intervening with the farmers and their trusted advisor or, or supplier. Instead, uh, we work closely with these advisors to offer agronomy technology to s- solutions to really help empower them to better serve and you know communicate with their customers. So, if you are an agronomist, uh, you know, listening to you know to this to this show, please reach out and see how we can help. And I guarantee that we have something in the digital fertility or soil services, uh, you know, segment to suit your business. So please reach out to us at info at uh, farmersedge.ca. And uh, the, the other thing I would say is Farmers Edge has Commodity Ag, which is going to become the North America's first ever transparent third-party marketplace in 2024. And Commodity Ag will offer a wider selection of product categories, bring all the local retailers under one roof, uh, and, you know, we'll have easy fulfillment and easy collaboration, not competition, you know, with the local retailers. And all of this is while supporting the local crop input, uh, you know, business farmers have supported for, for years. So, uh, you know, look forward to our expansion in uh, the Canadian marketplace in early 2024. All right. And as you mentioned, what is that email address? If people have some questions, want to reach out to Farmer's Edge. Sure. It's info, I-N-F-O at farmersedge.ca. You just heard a paid product spotlight with Farmers Edge. We've got more coming up here on Real Ag on the Weekend here on 650 CKOM and 980 CGME. Hi, I'm Lindsay Smith of realagriculture.com. Join me Monday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern for The Agronomist. 
Canada's only live, interactive, agronomy-based show. Each week, we answer your most pressing questions with a rotating panel of agronomists, researchers, and extension staff from across Canada. Join me Monday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn, or head to realagriculture.com slash live at 8 p.m. Eastern. Hi, I'm Bernard Tobin, host of the Soybean School on realagriculture.com. Throughout the year, on the Soybean School, we'll bring you timely agronomic video content from planting to harvest, from the latest agronomic research to the latest in production technology. Check out our massive video library on YouTube, realagriculture.com, or download the audio podcast versions wherever you get your podcasts. The Soybean School is brought to you by Pride Seeds, BASF, and Syngenta Canada. Okay, right now on Real Egg of the Weekend, we're going to dive into some uh, some cattle feeding topics. And uh, I'm going to pass it over to Lindsay Smith, our editor at Real Agriculture, who's going to talk to Caitlin McMurphy, who's with Sask Ag, about extensive winter feeding. Joining me now is Caitlin McMurphy. She's an agri-environmental specialist with the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture. Welcome here, Caitlin. Thanks very much for having me, Lindsay. All right. So first off, what does an agri-enviro specialist do? <laughs> Good question. So essentially, the space I work in is kind of the interface between uh, the agricultural industry and how it affects or um, uh, interacts with environmental considerations. Okay. So, for example, um, a lot of my work, and, and there's several of us specialists across the province, a lot of what we're doing is advising farmers and ranchers on best management practices that um, are both beneficial to their operation and their environment. So things like managing native grassland, uh, managing riparian areas, improving carbon sequestration, those kinds of things. Okay, very cool. So that brings us to part of the reason we're, we're talking today. Um, you know, heading into the thick of winter here, thinking about the cattle herd and thinking about extensive winter feeding. So there's some events coming up and I want to touch on, on those and for anyone who's interested. But first, what do you mean by extensive winter feeding? Yeah, for sure. So um, extensive winter feeding is a general term, Lindsay, and, and what it refers to is essentially getting the cattle out of confinement, out of the corral, and out on the landscape. And what we're trying to do, the goals of extensive wintering is to um, improve nutrient deposition across the site. Um, we're protecting waterways, we're paying attention to runoff control and things like that. And oftentimes, benefit to producers as well is reducing the amount of times they're starting a tractor in the winter as well. Mm. As, as I like to put it, they have a forage harvester on the front and a manure spreader on the back. So let them do their thing. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's right. So whether that's through swath grazing, bale grazing, corn grazing, uh, stockpiled forages, that kind of thing. Um, that's all achieving the same goal. All right. So now this is for some old hat. Lots of people have been doing it a long time, but for others, it would be a completely new practice for sure. And so um, the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture is putting on some events to support producers who are, are curious about doing this and what they might consider. Uh, what are these events? How do people find information about them? Yeah, absolutely. So the first one we're going to start with, Lindsay, um, this is the, the only one we have planned kind of as a, a pilot event, uh, is our extensive wintering management workshop. 
uh, down in Weyburn. And that takes place on Tuesday, December 5th. Okay. And now it's a whole day? That's right. So we'll do registration at 930. Uh, and then we should be wrapped up by about 4 p.m. Okay. So and... So walk me through the topics that are going to be covered then that day. So what what can someone expect from from the day? Yeah, so our goal of setting up this workshop was to, you know, help producers, whether it's their first time setting up an extensive winter site, or maybe this is a practice they've been doing for a couple of years, uh, but are looking to fine tune their operations. So um, we're going to start with the site, can, the winter site management and considerations. Um, for, you know, where your project's going to occur. Then we're going to talk about the actual cattle nutrition and animal welfare considerations. And then to be, you know, try something a little different, a little bit more modern. Um, we've gone out to several producer locations and filmed their current setup sites. Um, so we're going to take a look at different producer sites throughout the area um, and, and take a look at the videos and then follow it with a producer panel. Now, of course, there's always, you know, uh, we're always looking to draw people to our events. And one of the great ways to do that is to have an event that correlates with some of our programming that's out right now. So uh, we do have uh, funding available for extensive winter site projects. And so we'll be talking about that uh, throughout the day as well. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you had me at farm tours. So yeah. there you go, especially from the comfort of, you know, you can drink coffee and sit on a chair. Uh, that works too. Um, so sounds like a, a great event and certainly a, a great way to put together uh, people that I'm sure are going to have lots of questions and have people there to answer them. So that's fantastic. Um, and so for those who are interested, is it a phone number or a website? How can they sign up uh, for the event? That's right. So they can call the Weyburn office directly. And so that number is one three zero six eight four eight. 2857 uh, to register for the event. Right now, our deadline is Friday, December 1st. All right. So get at it. Okay, Caitlin, thank you. Thank you so much for this. This, uh, it sounds really great. I'll be honest, I got a bit of FOMO, fear of missing out. I'd love to go. All righty. Thanks so much, Caitlin. Yeah. (laughs) I'll see if I can make the trip all the way there. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Caitlin. You bet. Get a little bit of a chill when I have to hear conversations about winter feeding with. Yeah, unfortunately, winter does come. It, it, we can't avoid it. it. It's it's like a thing that happens every year. And for those of you that like seasons, like everybody continues to uh, come up in discussion, we complain about the cold. Oh, I love the seasons. Yeah, fall, spring, great. Winter, eh, I'm not a fan. But uh, hey, we all we all have our uh, we all have our different opinions. Well, winter feeding of livestock incredibly important, and trying to extend that and what that looks like and how you do it. It's going to be different for for everybody out there. But uh, some great information there from Kaylin Mc McMurphy. Now, it, Lindsay brought up conferences. And in learning, and you heard me earlier this or in the show here on Real Ag on the weekend talk about you know speaking at the AgX conference and and conferences like that, and the you know my my discussion there was about learning and development, which actually includes attending workshops and conferences and things like that. You know, and it, and a part of the discussion that I had with different delegates on on Wednesday that were there, I, I would say there's a little bit of a concern. Um, I, I would say that there's a little bit of some unknowns going forward in terms of what conferences and events are going to kind of look like. Now, I was at Agritechnica, as I mentioned, crazy attendance, right? But that, that's, a, that's a global machinery show. 
I think at Agri Trade and Red Deer in November, the the attendance was quite good, but but that that's tied to like a trade show and tied to a, a equipment. But what about like the learning component when it comes to agronomy and farm management and succession and all those kinds of things? Are are, are those still really in vogue? And and if they are, are are they going to be in person? And I think the answer is yes. But I heard numerous, numerous people say to me on Wednesday that they're concerned that people have become too comfortable maybe learning online. And I know for me personally, I'm a terrible – in many respects, I got, I've registered for so many online conferences or there's a hybrid option where I'm like, oh, you know what? I don't, I don't want to fly to Washington, D.C., I'm going to just attend online way more cost effective and all, you know, all the reasons why they provide that solution. Now, if I lived in DC, I would definitely go, but you know, I, I take the on, I take the hybrid option and it, it's not the same because when we're learning only online and not to say that online learning isn't good because it, it very much can be, it has a place. It's not a silver bullet, the one, the all in one solution, because, you know, think about it. it it's not just the, the, what's said, on the stage. It's not just there because that's all you get on the online. You do not, do not get the hallway discussion. And some of the best discussions that I had at AgEx with Farm Management Canada on Wednesday were actually conversations in the hall. Now, some of those conversations were in relation to what different speakers had said. Some of it was running into people that you know are, are clients or could be clients of, of real agriculture. I, I had a fantastic day. If I had tuned in and participated in the conference only as an online participant, I miss all of that. And I think, and I, I don't want to pick on maybe people that are younger that would be more inclined to take the online version because they've never really experienced the networking, just the, the what the networking provides you at a conference. I'm going to be at Grow Canada in Calgary next week. And honestly... There, there's the conference, and I'm, I'm going to be moderating a session on Farming 4.0 and the future of farming and, and technology and artificial intelligence and all that kind of stuff. And there's some great speakers on the agenda. What I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to the icebreaker reception on the Tuesday. It, it is honest. I, I go to a lot of stuff. That, that three-hour block of that networking reception with all the people from the seed and crop protection industry and all the stakeholders around that. There's farm groups there. There's industry people. It is one of the best three hours I can possibly spend in the entire year. You can't replicate that. You can't replicate it. So if you're somebody that's only trying to figure out how to learn online, never leave the ranch, never leave the farm, because you can just do things virtually all the time, you're, I, I, you're missing out. I'm saying it. We, the, the, the face-to-face component, the belly-to-belly component of human interaction cannot be replaced in, in that regard. So that's just kind of uh, <laughs> me kind of providing some observation and ranting for you here uh, this week on Real Egg on the Weekend. Encourage you over the weekend... Speaking of the weekend, to check out realagriculture.com, you can subscribe to all of our free e-newsletters by going to realagriculture.com slash subscribe. Do you have any feedback for me? Maybe you want to comment on what you heard today on the show, or maybe there's something that is a bit of a burr under your saddle, so to speak. You can send me that email, shaney at realagriculture.com. You've been listening to Real Ag on the Weekend on 650 CKOM, 980 CGME, and we'll be back next week.